All right, so the Shaila we're going to deal with uh, tonight is one which I received uh, last night. Um, uh, as many of you do know, don't know, so one of the things that I've been doing, uh, an additional thing which I've been doing, uh, is answering the phone for uh, by first base hurrah. So it happens to be that he's out of town. He goes out of town after Tishabov. So on his message, on his phone, it says that if you have any Shilas, call the base hurrah. So the base hurrah gets particularly busy when he is uh, when he's out of town. And then one of the other Dayanim, uh, who or the, one of the other Rabbanim who normally answers Shilas, is also happens to be out of town this week. So there are two of us who are sort of holding down, trying to hold down the, uh, the fort and trying to pretend that we in some way come up to the totals of Rabbi First. So what you find out when, uh, when this happens is, is that there are tons of Shilas which you never thought of in a million years. Uh, and it's one of those things where you say, hmm, they didn't teach me this in rabbi school. How am I supposed to go ahead and figure this out? So fortunately, um, as I say all the time, it's not what you know, but it's who you know. And being able to uh, figure out who exactly you need to speak to to get the answer that you are looking for. So here, so I'll, we'll go through a little bit the, uh, the process which, uh, which we went through in the, the course of our, uh, our exchange back and forth. But the Shaila went as follows. Um, a fella recently purchased for himself some new ritsuos, so new straps on his uh, on his tefillin, and he got the kind. There's two kinds, and maybe at some point we'll give a we'll give a shear on that. But he got the kind which is called black on black. So it's not only black on the outside which faces out, but even when you flip it to the back side, so they paint it all the way through because there's always supposed to be the appearance of black over there. So there's two concerns. Number one is if it gets worn out a little bit, so you may go past the paint into the brown leather, and that could be problematic. And then if it flips over, as in the course of wearing it, so they're also posting who say that uh, you want to make sure that it's always black, which is facing outwards. And therefore, so uh, so there's a, a, a recent thing which the, which uh, um, fill-in manufacturers started doing, which is called black on black. So both sides of the, the, the Ritsuos are, are black. So what this guy reported was, is that he got these new Ritsuos, and when he took them off, he noticed that there was black on his shirt, and as he wrapped his tefillin, so his hands got black as well from residue from the ink. So obviously he was unhappy with what this did to his shirt and the fact that he needed to go ahead and wash his hands. But his concern was, he says, maybe the ink which is rubbing off on my skin and on my shirt, maybe it's kadosh, maybe it has kadusha to it. And I'm not able to go ahead and just discard it in a regular way. He wanted to know if he spends some time and he takes a rag. This was his specific question. If he takes a rag and rubs the ritsuos until nothing more is coming off, so he gets all that additional residue, what does he have to do with that rag? Is, does he, can he just throw it away? Can he throw it in the washing machine? Does he have to go ahead and put it in shameless? Does it require geniza? What exactly is going to be the status of this rag, which has the residue ink from the Ritsuos on it. That was his Shiloh. So as I said, he asked the Shiloh, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't, I've never heard the Shiloh before. I've never heard about stuff uh, rubbing off like, like, like that. And I wasn't really sure uh, where to go. So then we go through the, you know, sort of the, uh, the sequence of where you would uh, anticipate finding the Shiloh, work, work our way through. 
Okay, so that's what we're going to try and do, is we're going to try and work a little bit of the way uh, sequentially through these issues so that we could eventually pinpoint exactly what the issue is and then whether or not it is going to pose a halachic problem or not. What is this fellow going to do with the cloth that has the residual ink on it? Now, can, can we assume that this ink came from the, from the inside that, that, you know, that, that's normally not black at all, except if you buy these kind of tefillin? Um, uh, it probably is, but what would be the advantage of that? Are you thinking that that's going to make a lot of difference? If it came well, from the inside I, I don't know the outside? Gonna make, I, I don't know if it's going to make a lot of difference. I, I, I know nothing about it, but, but uh, it, it... You're in good it's company. Cert- it, it's, certainly, it's certainly possible that, um, uh, that, that the ink is holier... Um, on the part of tefillin where it's required than on the part where it's not required. Okay, good. So um, let, let's, right, very good. I, I mean, you know, if, if, if you have a bottle of ink that's not on tefillin at all, it's not holy, is it? I mean. Okay, excellent, excellent. So let's let's begin. I didn't even get to uh, save the document yet because I was, mom is just finishing as we, as I logged in. But okay, so ink that rubs off new rotsuos. That's what we're calling this year. <laughs> That's what it's about. So we're going to start with uh, the general principles of, of what happens, what we do with sacred objects, what kedusha they have or they don't have. And we're going to try and work our way towards a resolution of this, uh, this fellow's particular conundrum. Uh, so we say as follows. So one thing which we'll have to, is we're going to see, we're going to differentiate is that there's really two different categories of sacred objects. So the first one is, the first source which we look at is, this is in Hilchos Tzitzis, so this Archaim Simichaf Aleph Sifalf. And this has, part of the reason we're going to do this is because we're coming up to, uh, to Sukkot, where these halachas become relevant. We may have even given a share about this at, at some point, where these halachas are relevant, and therefore it's good to know in advance what may or may not be uh, allowed. But here, Shulchan Aruch says, shenifsaku. So let's say you have Tzitzis where uh, it got caught on the chair, and a piece of tzitzis tore off. So now you've got a torn piece of tzitzis. So Shulchan Aruch says, if you want to go ahead and throw it in the trash, so you could go ahead and do so. Why? Because although the tzitzis are a mitzvah object, they are a mitzvah object which is not considered to be kadosh. It's not considered to be sacred. So as we're going to see, there's going to be two different categories. There's mitzvah and there's kedusha. So kedusha is going to be something on a higher level. Think of a tefillin or a sefer Torah or mezuzah. All of those are examples of kedusha. But tzitzis, your talis, is considered to just be a mitzvah object, which Shulchan Aruch says, since it doesn't have kedusha, when it's no longer functional for its mitzvah, so you could just discard it. But aval... But while the tzitzis are still attached to your talus, while they're still being, they're actively being used for the mitzvah, so then you're not allowed to use them for your own personal purposes. Let's say you want to go ahead and you don't want to lose your keys. So you figure, you know what? I want to keep my keys nearby, so I'm going to tie my key onto one of my tzitzis strings. So that you're not allowed to do. Mishum, 
bizui mitzvah, because that's considered to be something which is disrespectful to the mitzvah. And although there's no kedusha to tzitzis, nonetheless, you're not allowed to actively be disrespectful towards them. And therefore, using them for some for some sort of mundane purpose would be considered to be a a um, a, uh, a a a disrespect to the tzitzis, and that you're not allowed to do. But technically, once you're no longer using them as tzitzis, once they tear off of your garment, so Shulchan Aruch says you're allowed to just throw it in the trash uh, the way you would normally discard anything else. Comes along the Ramah. Rabbi, a, yes. a, uh, a mezuzah box has no kadusha, does it? We're going to get there. Hold on. You're ahead of me already. Thank you. I'm only in source one, and you're already ahead of me. <laughs> the Yeshomer, some people say, which is a good thing. The Ramah says some people are of the opinion that even after the tzitzis tear off of the garment, you can't throw them in the trash where it's going to be with all sorts of leftovers and dirty diapers and leftover chalant and things of that sort, that even in its torn state, that would be a terrible disrespect to the mitzvah object. But since it is only a mitzvah object rather than a kedusha object, so it does not require, even according to the Schumer opinion, you don't have to put it into Geniza, you don't have to include it in your Seamus box. But there are some people who are particular to go ahead and bury it. In somebody who wants to adopt that practice, so certainly they would be blessed to do so. But there is no requirement. The only thing is, is you're, you are not allowed to actively disrespect that, those tzitzes. So Shulchan Aruch says you can throw it in the, once it's no longer usable, throw it in the trash. The Ramah says that there are those who say that you cannot throw it directly into the trash, but you don't, it doesn't require geniza. So what exactly does that mean? So now we'll see a number of Mishnah Brewers on this halacha. So now this is why it's going to be relevant for this time of year. So the, the Shulchan Aruch, as we said, discusses specifically tzitzis. Says the Mishabur, and Sif Katnalaf, Chafalaf, Sif Katnalaf, Vuadin, the Chotash Mishay Mitzvah. So the same rules apply for any mitzvah object, Kagon, Sukkah, Velulav, Vishofer. So here we are, tis the season. So the same thing with leftover Sukkah pieces, any, uh, your Lulav, once it's no longer Sukkah, where that's, you're not, not going to use it as a mitzvah. And in the event a shofar were to, God forbid, become unusable. The Chokeh and anything which is similar, any similar mitzvah object, so the same rules apply once it's no longer going to be usable for the mitzvah. So if you have sukkah pieces, which are no longer going to be used for your sukkah for next year, and certainly your lulav and your adasim and your aravos and all of that, so we have the same discussion over here. Shulchan Aruch would say you could just throw it in the trash and it's not an issue. And Ramah says you're not allowed to throw it into the trash, but you don't have to go ahead and put it into Geniza. So it's, so it's like the Kutei Pshatim. Sort of like the Kutei Pshatim. Yeah, I was trying to avoid the Kutei Pshatim, but yeah. Now I'm going to get rid of Sifkat and Hay over here. Um, and I'm going to say, just go on to this other part. So So what do we do with it? So what do you do with your leftover schach? Let's say you buy the Bnei Akiva schach. You buy those bundles of schach, which you use for that season. And then when you're done with it, and it's not like you're going to save it for next year. So what do we do? So the Mishabur explains in Sifkat and Vav, So the, the, this is now, he's commenting on the Ramah. 
that with regards to the schach, your lulav or your shofar, and once you're no longer going to use them for the mitzvah, so you are not allowed to throw it in the dumpster. So for you to actively throw it into a place which is disrespectful, which is ichi and gross, that you're not allowed to do. The cover the mitzvah and anything uh, anything else which is not uh, respectful to the mitzvah which was done. Yeah, okay. He says that the uh, for it's disrespectful to the mitzvah which was done with this object. To go ahead and use the walls, use let's say the uh, the panel which you use for your sukkah walls, use it for something which is disrespectful. Let's say you're going to go ahead and you're going to cut it down and make an outhouse out of it. So that would be a disrespectful use of old sukkah panels. In that, you should not go ahead and and do. Rabbi Shaffel, um, yes. Ellen was just talk, making the analogy with Lakute Peshatim. So does that mean we should double bag it and uh, then you could put it in the trash? What does it mean? Don't throw it in the trash directly. Yeah. I mean, neither mean- resource has told us yet what we should do with it. Only right. Hold on. Um, I grabbed the wrong mission of brew at some point. One second. Give me a second. I have to just. It's a two step process. I took hate and vav rather than um, uh, vav and zayin, which is really what I wanted. So let me go ahead and import this now. So it happens when you end up doing it last minute. Okay, so we say, that where did you guys go? There you go. Okay, so we say in um, so what does it mean that you're 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 not allowed to throw it away? So that was what the the, the Rama had said that uh, to Zarkon to go ahead and to throw it away, you're not allowed to do. So what do you do? So Ratzalomar, so Mishabur explains now in Sivkat and Zion, he says, Be a daim la'ashba. So for you to go ahead and throw it into the trash, that you're not allowed to do. But in the event that by you not throwing it into the trash, they will anyways get thrown into the trash. So in so you don't have to be concerned about that at all. So in other words, as Ellen and Bob, as both of you said, that the idea of wrapping the Pshatim or something in a bag, you don't necessarily have to double bag it, but the idea is, is that I'm not allowed to put a mitzvah object into a place where it's going to be echi. But if I wrap it, and then I put it in, and as in the garbage truck, that bag rips, and then it ends up being ichi, but I didn't ichify it. I didn't directly make it ichi. I went ahead and I put it into a place, even though I know that that's eventually going to happen, but the restriction the Ramah says is that I'm not allowed to go ahead and do that directly. So therefore, putting it into, let's say, uh, a, a bag and then letting the garbage men take it or putting it into a bag and it ends up in a landfill somewhere, even if the bag eventually breaks later on, that's not my concern. I 
personally am not allowed to do something which is disrespectful. So that's the idea. Again, we don't want to talk about Lukut Shatim so much now, but that's the idea behind those things, that you put it into a bag and you put it, let's say, into recycling, and you're not doing anything which is directly disrespectful to it. You're just putting it into a bag, and what happens later on in somebody else's hands, so that is not the, that's not your concern. Now... I'm sorry. So some people have the custom of taking the keeping the lulavim and then Pesach when they when they burn their chametz, they burn that too. Correct. So the, the the reason to do that is just we have another principle, which is that once you use an object for a mitzvah, so we like to in a sense recycle it and use it for as many mitzvahs as possible. So using it for the burning of chametz is a way that you can is a mitzvah use and discarding of it, which uh, takes care of two things at, at once. So that's the only reason that, uh, that, that, that that would be the reason to, to do that. Okay, so now this is as far as mitzvah objects are concerned. Now we come to, we get ourselves a little bit closer to where we are. So now in source three, you have, now we've moved from Hilchos Tzitzis to Hilchos Tfilin. So this is also a famous, uh, a famous source. It says, Sudar de Azmene Lemetzer Beit Tfilin Olam. So this is what we would call a tefillin bag. So this is the bag, or the by them it was a kerchief, but the bag, the azmine, means you've designated, you've decided you're going to use this bag to keep your tefillin in forever. This is now going to be the function of this bag. And, and indeed, you went ahead and used it for your tefillin, chadazimna, so you designated it for that purpose, and you put your tefillin in there even once, then, also, so you're not allowed to put money into that bag anymore. The money is now considered to be a sacred object because it's taking care of the tefillin. And once it's a sacred object because it's taking care of tefillin, you're not allowed to use it for mundane purposes, even to put change in, which sometimes people want to do, that they're going to give to tzedakah every day. They want to put a roll of quarters in their tefillin bag. And that way, every day, they'll have a quarter, which is handy to, uh, to give to tzedakah. So you're not allowed to put that that uh, that roll of quarters into your tefillin bag because the tefillin bag is considered to be kadosh. It's considered to be sacred. But now he says, now if you look in the Mishabrua there, this is Mem base Yudalif, and this is now where we get this contrast that we were trying to that we're trying to bring out. He says, Vitik shall talis, but your talis bag, Lomikritashmish Kedusha, Rak Tashmish Mitzvah. That's not considered to be an object used for a sacred item. Your talis bag is an object, is a bag which is used for a mitzvah item. So a differentiating between those are the two phrases which you have to be aware of. There's tashmish kedusha and tashmish mitzvah. So back in Chafal, when we talked about um, uh, tzitzis and the schach and the sukkah and the lulav, so those are all mitzvah objects. So the most you would have out of that is tashmish mitzvah. So that's not going to have much kedusha to it. But what you do have is when you come to Tashmish Kedusha, that's a much higher level. Your tefillin bag is a much higher level. And therefore, when it comes to your talis bag, so you're allowed to put mundane things into your talis bag. And even if you put your tefillin bag into your talis bag, which some people do, so then the talis bag is still, even though there's tefillin inside of there, it's two steps away. So it's ta- it's it, it serves the tefillin bag, which serves the, t- the, the tefillin. 
So as long as there's two steps in between, so then that's not a problem. Or below tik. And even if you go ahead and you put your uh, sitter in there, which your sitter does have kedusha, has shem Hashem, or occasionally you put your tefillin without the bag. Nonetheless, you could go ahead and you could put mundane things in your talus bag in the event that you really need, like your, your tzedakah. Because it was a, its original designation was for the talus, which is, compared to tefillin, is a mundane object. And it's as if you stipulate that you should be allowed to use it for other things. Um, and now he says, he emphasizes this point as far as the tefillin bag. He says, And those people who are traveling and want to make use of their tefillin bag for their passport, for some spare cash, for their car keys, or whatever it happens to be. After Medina Asr, even though really it's usher to put anything in the tefillin bag, other, even a sitter, other than the tefillin itself. But we could go ahead and we could perhaps provide some sort of justification for the practice. The Being that people, uh, certainly Bachrim, this is true, that they end up using their tefillin bag for other things. So maybe we could justify it by saying that tefillin bags are assumed to have been designated not only for tefillin purposes, but even for mundane objects to be put in there. But that would be a justification after the fact. But it's not appropriate to go ahead and do so. So we see over here this idea that once something is, is designated, it rises to a level of Kedusha, and not only Kedusha itself, like the Tefillin themselves, or Mezuzah itself, or a Sefer Torah itself, but even something which simply serves the Tefillin, the Mezuzah, or the uh, or a Sefer Torah, so that also is going to be considered to have acquired Kedusha. Who's the one, who, Mel, you mentioned about the, the uh, Mezuzah case? Yes, yes. Right. So this is where the Shaila of a Mezuzah case would come in. Now, you have to keep in mind, remember that we, we differentiated between Tashmish Kedusha and Tashmish de Tashmish, right? Is it something which directly serves a sacred object or it serves something which serves a sacred object? So let's put it into, into practical terms. So let's say you have your tefillin. So that's the Kadosh object. You have your tefillin bag. That's going to be the velour, the velour bag the velour bag into which the tefillin are placed, and then you have the plastic bag on top of that. So the plastic bag on top of that, that's two steps away from the tefillin. It's actually three because you have the tefillin case, but let's ignore that for now. But the, the plastic bag is tashmish de tashmish. It's two steps away. That has much less kedusha than the tefillin bag, which contains the tefillin in it directly. So the same thing would be true, Mel, with regards to your mezuzah, Shaila, that very often, in order to protect the, uh, the mezuzah, so most sofrim nowadays will wrap the mezuzah in saran wrap or in um, wax paper or something like that. So they put something directly around the mezuzah to protect it. And then while it's in the saran wrap, then that goes into the mezuzah case. 
So that mezuzah case would likely already be tashmish to tashmish. That's already two steps away from the mezuzah rather than one step away. So if it's only one step away, so then you have the full kedusha of tashmish kedusha. That's going to require geniza. That would have to be put into Shemus. If it's two steps away, there's already a little bit more room for uh, for leniency. Now, so that is point number so, two. So are you saying a tefillin big has to be put in geniza? Um, so the, the, the question will be then, again, this is where we start the, uh, I don't want to say splitting hairs necessarily, but you have to be very, you have to be very precise. And that is because our tefillin goes in a tefillin case. So it may be at this point in Jewish history that the tefillin bag may already be tashmish to tashmish. Aha. Okay. Now, the reason why I say you have to be very precise, Art, and it's splitting hairs is because the question is, are the rutsuos kadosh? Or the Ritzuos themselves are Tashmish de Kedusha. If the Ritzuos or the Nats, the Kanats, have any sort of Kedusha to them, so then the uh, then the bag may be serving the Kedusha of the Ritzuos or those Kanats, which I don't want to go into now. But that would be uh, a shot that, that would be that uh, uh, another Shaila as far as whether or not that's going to be uh, that's going to be an issue. So that's another justification that Post can bring down as far as putting uh, tzedakah money into a tefillin bag nowadays, because uh, it may be that the tefillin bag is no longer a tashmish kedusha because the tefillin are already in a case. But certainly it's better to put it into the plastic rather than into the tefillin bag itself. Okay, now there is another place where uh, the Shulchan Aruch talks about sacred objects. And that is in Simon Kufnun Dawid. Simon, uh, yeah, Simon Kufnun Dawid. So this is by Hilchos Beis So in Hilchos Beis so obviously a shul has many sacred uh, items to it. And being that a shul has many sacred items to it, so uh, well, the uh, the discarding of it or the the uh, the upgrading of it means that you get something which is new. What do you do with the the old? So here, Shulchan Aruch says, source five over here. So this is Simon Kufnun Dal Siv Gimel. Say Tashmishe Kedusha. So what are examples in a shul of uh, uh, objects which serve a kadosh item? So you say Kigon, for example, Tik Shel Sfarim Umezuzos. So the case or the cover around a Sefer Torah or a mezuzah. So there, Mel, that's where your uh, your your uh, the the your question of the mezuzah is addressed directly. But even let's say what we call the mantle on the Sefer Torah, so that would be something which is a tashmish kedusha. That's something which is there to serve the sacred item. Or in here, Mel, uh, not Mel, here uh, Art. Here's the issue of rutsuos tefillin. So tefillin rutsuos are also categorized as tashmish de kedusha. So they serve the tefillin. They're not the tefillin themselves. The Arga Shenosni Bo Sefer Torah, Chumash Rikisei Shenosni, I love Sefer Torah. And let's say the Aron Kodesh, so the box in which you're going to store the Sefer Torah, or a Chumash, or let's say the, the uh, what we would call the Shulchan, upon which the Sefer Torah is placed, as well as Uvilon Shetoni Fneha Hechal, or the curtain, which is in front of the Aron Kodesh. And again, there's a discussion whether that applies nowadays. That may only be if there's a curtain and there's nothing behind the curtain. If there's a curtain, then there's doors. So then the curtain may be two steps away from the Sefer Torah. So, but all of these are objects where we say, Yeshvim Kedusha B'Tzarech 
all of these are considered to be sacred objects by virtue of the fact that they serve a Sefer Torah or Tefillin or Mezuzahs, and therefore in the event that they are no longer usable, they're not going to be used for a mitzvah anymore, so you'd have to go ahead and you'd have to put them in Gediza, you'd have to, uh, you have to bury them. Now, says the Mishnah again, bringing together the topics which we've discussed uh, until now, so he says, so the Mishnah explains, even though when it comes to objects which serve a mitzvah, that we said back in Chafal, if you're left over schach, you're left over schach walls, you're left over um, lulav in, in hadasim in aravos, so when you're no longer going to use them as a mitzvah, so you can discard them, either directly or indirectly discard them, but when it comes to this higher level object, what we call Tashmishe Kedusha, so then nobody says you're allowed to go ahead and discard that just to put it directly into the trash. Ella, but rather, even after they worn out and they're no longer usable for their purpose, these objects retain sanctity even when they're no longer going to be used. And therefore, so that's why you have to go ahead and you have to put them into Geniza. And the Gam, and you're not allowed to use them for any other purpose whatsoever. You can't go ahead and recycle them and say, listen, if I have this, uh, this board, I'm going to use it to go ahead and I'll have leftover sukkah board. I'm going to use it to make a workbench in my garage, my man cave, or something like that. So you wouldn't be allowed to go ahead and recycle those walls from your sukkah into, uh, into something else, into a workbench. Vidafka ta- Vidafka. Rabbi, excuse me, can you hear me? Yes. I'm I'm sorry. Uh, no problem. Bob, Bob Appleson looks like he may not be doing well. Oh, he's fine. He's he's listening. Okay, sorry. Okay, thank you for your concern. Vidavka tashmish kedusha atzma, and this is specifically by a an object which is used for kedusha itself directly. Avaldavra, as we said, avaldavra mishamish lahatashmish kedusha but something which serves something else, which serves the Kadosh item. So that's going to be like the, uh, uh, the, tefillin, uh, the plastic tefillin bag, which goes around the tefillin bag, which are, is around the tefillin. nikra tashmish the tashmish. And that's what we call tashmish the tashmish. Ain bo kedusha. So that does not have any kedusha, does not have any sanctity to it whatsoever. And you're allowed to use it for other purposes, even while it's being used for its quote-unquote sacred purpose. So in other words, if I'm traveling and I want to go ahead and I want to throw some money or my passport or my driver's license or whatever it happens to be, my keys, into my the plastic of my tefillin bag, so that the Mishaguru says over here, tashmish the tashmish, so that you're allowed to use for other purposes even while it's still being used around your tefillin. It's not as if you took your tefillin bag out, uh, out of it, and then you're allowed to use that plastic bag. Even when the tefillin bag is inside of the plastic bag, you're still allowed to go ahead and use that plastic bag for what you want. Yes? Does it matter if if you don't actually directly put it in? For example, if you put your roll of quarters in a Ziploc bag? 
instead of just um, right directly in the bag? So, yeah, so that, that, that's not going to help you so much because that would still be the plastic bag is a mundane object, which is going in there. Okay. So whether it's the money or whether it's the, the Ziploc, either way, it's something which is a, which is a non-sacred item. Uh, Rabbi, so, uh, yes. Rabbi Shaffer, what are, you know, when it rains, uh, of course. You, to, to fill in bags, uh, you know, the, the colors will run and everything. If you put your fill in bag inside a plastic bag, uh, with, it, it, and the purpose of it is to keep the rain off it, uh, it, would that be an example of Tashmish but Tashmish? Excellent. So this is, so this is not our discussion now, but um, if you look back in source three, where we said, So in order for your tefillin bag to acquire Kedusha, it has to be that you've designated it for that purpose. That's what it's going to be for. And Zimna. And you went ahead and you used it once for that designated purpose. So if you remember, there's a, a, a halachic principle, a very interesting principle, which says, hazmana lav milsihi, that designating something is meaningless in halacha. So if I, if, if, when they go ahead and they manufacture its fill-in bag and they put your name on it, until you actually put the fill-in in there, it's not a kadosh item. Mm-hmm. At that point, it's only hazman, it's only designation to eventually be used for something sacred, but until it actually gets used, so that it doesn't acquire Kedusha. And the other end of that, the other diuk to make from source number three is that it's only going to be true in the event that you plan on using this bag forever. But if I grab a jewel bag, because it's raining outside and I don't want my tefillin to get wet, I don't plan on using that jewel bag forever for my tefillin, I'm just using it today because it's raining. So in that case, so wouldn't have, while it has its fill-in in there, it may have a little bit of kedusha. But when you get home and you put your fill-in bag out of that jewel bag, so the jewel bag doesn't have any residual uh, kedusha because it was never designated for that purpose. Thank if you. I, if I designate a cow as an ola, it doesn't get any kedusha. It does. Oh, I just I just designated. I didn't do anything with it. Yeah. Yeah. But but right. So that by, by korbanos, so maybe a, a different set of rules as far as the kedusha which you infuse into it. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna think about that. I'm gonna ask my son who learned kachim. I'm gonna make him explain that to me. It's a good project for him while he's doing nothing these next two weeks. Thank you. <laughs> Excellent. I like that question very much. Um, okay. So now, um, okay, so we're getting closer to, uh, to our Shaila. So now we have uh, a, a beer halacha, one more halacha in Orachaim, and then we'll go to halachas related to Yoridea to, uh, to complete the, uh, the, 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 the process. So he says, so the beer halacha, there's a mem base, sif gimel, the dibra maslas kia gavna. Mishabura says at the beginning, I Mishabura, okay, we don't need that. Vain b'tshuvas mishkinus Yaakov simenun hey. So if you look in Shuvas Mishkinus Yaakov, Didio, the ink, or the paint, or the ink really, Shanasalaksivas Stam, which was manufactured for the purpose of writing Sifre Torah, Tfilin, or Mezuzos, Havigamkein Hazmana Lagufa Kedusha. So that is considered to be designation. There's that term again, Hazmana. It's designation for something which is sacred. Vaadif Mine, and it's actually a higher level than just Tashmish Kedusha. 
and you would not be able to use that ink, uh, which was manufactured with the intention to use it for tefillin and mezuzahs, or say for Torah, you would not be allowed to use it for some mundane purpose to sign your child's uh, you know, waiver to go on a trip in camp. So you're not be able to use the ink for that purpose, unless you went ahead and you stipulated from the outset that you want to be able to use this ink for mundane purposes. So we assume that once the ink has been designated for a sacred purpose, so it now acquires, and this is going to be, this will touch upon a little bit what you mentioned, Mel, in terms of designating the, uh, uh, designating the, uh, the cow as a korban, because there it's designation as the, as the kedusha itself, not designation as a tashmish to kedusha. Okay. Does that make sense? That, that distinction? Okay. Okay. Okay, I'm still going to have Yechil write it up, but, uh, but yeah. So that, oh, I'll try. Uh, so, that, so that is something which, uh, which he says. So this will now be, now we could combine these two things somewhat and say that uh, the, the paint, uh, uh, the, the paint which they use to, uh, to uh, paint Tfilin and uh, Ritsuos, I don't know if it's exactly the same paint. I'll actually have to speak to a sofa whether or not it's it's the same paint. But if it's not the same paint, so then we have an interesting distinction over here. Because paint for the tefillin themselves, so that's something which is going to become part of the tefillin. So that would acquire kedusha, which is somewhat similar to the tefillin. But the paint which is going on the ritsuos, in the event that that's a different paint, so you mentioned the ritsuos themselves are, are not kadosh. They're tashmish the kedusha. And therefore, the paint which goes on them, that would be at a lower level. That may be Tashmish to Tashmish, or at least it may be part of the Tashmish Kedusha, which may mean that you're not allowed to use it for another purpose. And uh, then we'll have to see whether or not it is, uh, 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 whether or not it's something which is going to require uh, Geniza, whether you have paint which, uh, which comes off. So now let's assume, just for argument's sake, for the, uh, for the purpose of the shear, let's assume for a moment that you actually have uh, that, that that paint or the paint which comes off of the Ritsuas has some sort of Kedusha uh, sanctity to it rather than just Tashmish the Kedusha or Tashmish, Tashmish the Kedusha. Let's assume it actually has some, uh, some sanctity. So now the question is, when it rubs off onto a rag, so is the rag which now has some uh, some residual paint on it. So is that, uh, what are you supposed to do with that residual paint? So does that retain any Kedusha or does it not? Okay, so here we have an interesting thing over here. And this is where we, as, as we said, we move to Yoridea. So by, uh, by the halachas of Chatzitza, by the halachas of going in the mikvah, where if you remember, the halacha is, is that there can't be any material interposing between the water and your skin. So your skin, there can't be anything on the skin. You can't have glue, you can't have paint, you can't have uh, anything on the hands whatsoever, which is going to create a barrier which doesn't allow the mikvah water to touch your skin or your hair directly. So the question is, let's say, in this, uh, you know, the, it, it's not a, a far-fetched thing nowadays. Let's say you have a mora who's teaching nursery or kindergarten. So a nursery kindergarten mora, so she comes home every day with paint or something on her hands because they do all sorts of art projects. You've got all sorts of stuff which is left over on the hands. And very often it's difficult to go ahead and get it off. 
right? She may have a, a you know sharpie ink which got on her hand, and it's not so easy to go ahead and scrub that off without actually uh, you know causing uh, perhaps some significant pain with all of that rubbing. So, what exactly is the story with something with ink or or, or something of that sort which is on the skin? Does that create a chatzita? Does that create a barrier which could potentially invalidate the immersion? Or is it not going to be a problem? Or you could ask a similar question when you want to wash your hands before eating bread. So same thing, you're not allowed to have anything on your hands. So if I have, uh, my hands are discolored from ink or paint or something, so is that going to pose a problem or not? So here we have a very important comment of the rush. So this is the rush in Hilchos Mikvos, Simen Chav So he says as follows, V'nashim Hatsovos Atzman, if you have women, now here he's talking about, let's just refer to it as makeup. So a woman who puts on some sort of makeup. So nearish enochotzes. So he says that makeup technically is not a chatzitza, is not considered to be a barrier which would invalidate the immersion. Why? Because they put it on in order to make themselves look better. That's the purpose of makeup. And therefore, it's something which the woman desires to be on herself. The enomakpidos and therefore, it's not, some, it's not as if it's a material which they don't want to be on their, on, on their body. They want it to be there. They want the makeup to be on their face. And therefore, something which is lenoi, something which is put onto the, uh, to the body for beautification purposes, that by definition is not a chatzitza. Ela asu b'miskaven, it's something which was done intentionally. Okay, that's point number one. Then he says, V'od she'ein bo mamish el And this is what I want to highlight over here. He says, secondly, the ink which is on the skin or the paint that he's referring to is it doesn't have any substance to it. It's hard to t- translate the word mamish, but we're going to translate a substance. There's no substance to it. El It's something which simply gives the appearance. So this is what you think of. If you go ahead and you, uh, you use a... Uh, a ballpoint pen on your skin. So when you go ahead and you look at it, so you see that there's ink on your skin, but there's no real substance, not something that you could like peel off, right? Back in the good old day when you used, um, uh, when we would play with rubber cement. So rubber cement, it goes on the skin and you know, the whole fun was to roll it off or to to rub it besides the smell itself when you put it on. But you could go ahead and you could rub it off and there's something which you could, which is actually peelable off of your skin. So that's a substance which has mamashas to it. There's real substance there. That constitutes an interposition. But what about the fact that uh, something which there's no substance to it? So the, the rush says if there's no substance to it, it's just the appearance which is there. That's not a chatzitza. Uh, and then he says, um, okay, this part we don't actually need. So we're not gonna tra- we're not gonna translate it. Okay, so now, so what exactly, so now, uh, so familiar with that halacha, that we differentiate between something which is substance or not. So in my mind, I was thinking that the difference between now, over here, I was thinking that maybe we still have to be machmer with this rag, which has, which uh, when you rub it on the ritzuos, is going to have some of the paint, because, and certainly with his hand, because when he went ahead, he reported, he didn't ask me about what the, whether he behaved correctly or not, but he said when he washed his hands, he was easily able to wash the paint off, the Ritsuos paint off. So I'm thinking to myself that the, the rush is talking about something which is, it's on the skin, it's not really washing off, 
and there's nothing which is there that you could actually touch and you could feel. You don't feel the ink there. You just know that it's there because the appearance is there, but it's something which it's, it's part of the skin and it doesn't wash off. My thinking was that in the event that you're able to go ahead and wash it off, so it must be that there's mamashas there. Our, your finger is not sensitive enough to feel it, but it must be that there's actually something there. And that's why it washes off when you wash your hand. So I was thinking that anything which you could wash off, that's not considered to be just appearance. That's considered to be something which is of substance. Haraya, the proof is, the fact that you could go ahead and just use a little bit of soap and water and it comes off, as opposed to ink, which even if you go ahead and you wash your hands once, uh, depending on the ink, but it may be it may take a couple of washings to go ahead and get it off. It's something which would be pretty challenging. Iodine on the skin may stick around for a while, even after you go ahead and, uh, and wash it. So maybe if it's not washable easily, that's when we consider it to just be chazusa ba'alma. It's just the appearance of something there, but it's not really going to be a problem. But something which washes off, maybe that's considered to be substance, and therefore uh, uh, that number one would be a chazitza, and then number two, it would be something which is going to be a problem for this fella who now has a rag with a bunch of this um, rubbed off paint on it, ritsuos paint on it. But then I found, and the safer, so the final source we have over here is from the Chut Shani. Chut Shani is from Rav Nisim Karelitz. So he's actually talking about a woman going to the mikvah, but it's the same thing. But he goes that I was very excited to see that he addresses this point directly, not the Ritsuos point, but what's considered to be um, just chazus of alma, just an appearance of something, but not actually having substance there. He says, that the parameter, the definition of something which doesn't have mamashas to it, doesn't have substance to it, which therefore by definition is not a chatzitza. So he says, who hamishush. He says, this is anything which is not, you cannot feel to the touch. So if you touch your skin and you don't feel the ink there, you don't feel the ballpoint ink there, you don't feel the Sharpie ink there, you don't feel whatever it happens to be, you don't feel that it's there, so that by definition is chazusa, that's just an appearance, and it's not going to be a chatzitza. It only becomes a problem like the... uh, uh, like the rubber cement, we said, where you put it onto your skin, and there's actually something there that you could uh, that, uh, that that you could peel off. So that's where he goes at and draws the distinction as far as this is concerned. And therefore, it seems that the person I discussed it with is correct as far as that this paint. So when it gets on the skin or when it gets on the shirt, you're not going to feel any of the paint on your shirt. You're not going to feel any of the paint on your hands. You're not going to feel it on the rag either. It's something which is there, but it, since there's no substance to it in the sense that you would, uh, you would notice it by touching it, so therefore it's not, uh, it, it does, it's not going to have any real kedusha to it, and therefore it would not require uh, geniza. All righty. Thank you. Sure you so that was our exciting tour of these uh, these these halachas. All right, so have a good Shabbos, everybody. Don't forget next week, pay attention to the calendar because we're now going to starting next week. It's going to be after Marv. So I think you said it was eight twenty starting next week. Uh, it is yes, eight twenty next week, Tuesday and Thursday. Okay, starting the, so next week, both Tuesday and uh, and Thursday share starts at eight twenty. Thank you. Bye bye. All right, all the best, you're, everybody. Uh, Have a good night. Your chasana is Monday? What oh, yeah, Tuesday, to? Tuesday, no class. Sorry, Tuesday, no class. Right. Oh. I'm sorry. That's okay.
just Thursday. I was I was gonna I was gonna after I heard Daf I was gonna email you and say should I cancel before I send out the 